and praise. Oh, come on, don't just clap your hands, but clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So wonderful to be back in Bakersfield in God's house. And uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do in this house today. Amen. I come to tell you that God is still in the miracle working business. And if you need anything from the Lord, if you'll ask him, he'll give it to you. If you need salvation, if you need a sound mind, if you need a healing in your body, God is able. Three people believe what I just said. I said, God is able. How do you know he's able? Because I've seen him do it before. Anybody else got a testimony? God never made a way. God ever moved for you. God ever healed your body. God ever give you peace in your mind. Peace in the storm. Come on, I think we ought to just tell him thank you right now. Thank you for being God. Thank you for doing what you do. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 17. Very familiar text while you're turning there. Let me say what an honor it is to be back. And I want to give honor today to your wonderful pastor who is my friend and uh, first lady. And I uh, thank God for them. And thank God for the bishop. I love and appreciate Brother Frost. And uh, when I see Brother Frost, I kind of get a picture just hearing him talk. Man, I said, that's probably what I'm going to be when I'm his age. I'm going to say something like that. And uh, he's just a smart guy. I like him. And I hope I'm that smart when I get his age. I hope, amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 2. And Saul in the midst of Israel gathered together pitched by the valley of Elah, set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Bible says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other, and a valley between them. I want to preach to you with your help and the help of the Lord today about the omnipresent God. The omnipresent God. Amen. Let's lift our hands and lift our voice to heaven. Ask God that he would move in this house. God, we love you. We're so thankful to be in your house today to give you glory, to give you praise, because truly there is none like you. God, you are the first and the last and the everlasting, the one who was, who is, and is to come, the almighty. We pray, God, right now that you would move in this house today. God, we ask you to fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Oh, Jesus, you're so worthy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach today. We understand that God is eternal. And since God is eternal, spatial dimensions cannot restrict him. God's timing is infinite. And therefore, God is unrestricted to respect to time and space. King Solomon realized that God transcends containment by anything in all creation. And although 
magnificent a man-made building might be, it is still nothing to compare to this wonderful God we serve. King Solomon would build a billion, a, a building that was worth somewhere near a billion dollars in today's money, but yet he had the revelation that no matter how big or beautiful it is, it's not big enough to house God. It's not beautiful enough to house God because whatever you think of God, he is that and he is more. And the omnipresence of God signifies that he cannot be contained by the largest space possible. Simply put, God is not just some big blob on the outside of space, but yet God cannot be confined by space. He is a whole being and is present at every point, at every time. And as humans, it's hard for us to understand this because we start thinking stuff like, how can that God come down into this place if he's already here? You have to understand that the omnipresence of God does not just signify that God is here in California and, and at my home state in Mississippi all at the same time, but the omnipresence of God also signifies that God is in your past, in your present, and already in your future. And with that being said, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around this simply because we can't physically see God. And as human, it's human nature to require a, a show-me answer to the unanswered questions of life. And even in our terminology, we say things like, I had to see it to seeing is, I wouldn't have believed it if I had not myself. And, and so our, even our terminology, this is our, our humanistic nature of being able to express that we want to be able to see it and touch it and feel it before we believe it simply because we are flesh and we rely on fleshly things. But can I tell you today that when you live for God, it doesn't always work that way. As a matter of fact, our Bible teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we understand without faith it is impossible to please God. Can I tell you this morning that God pleasures in the fact that sometimes you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go, but you hold to his hand, his unchanging hand. I'm here to tell you today having faith in God is still the best answer that you can give to the unanswered questions of life. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to talk with God. I'm going to believe in God and know that God is attracted to my faith. And when we realize that God is attracted to faith, we understand that if I'll just have faith, God will come to where I am. God is in the middle of my storm. If I have faith in the middle of my storm, God is in the middle of my chaos. If I can have faith in the middle of my chaos, God is everywhere I need him to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get bogged down here today, but I will just briefly mention this, that when we, when we begin to understand this omnipresence of God, we understand that there are three levels to the presence of God, the omnipresence, the divine presence of God, and the throne room of God. Again, I don't have time to get down into this, but it is, it is very uh, evident that it is a picture of the Old Testament where we have the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. We have the places where God abides. But then the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there. What God wasn't already there. He's omnipresent. I thought he was everywhere. 
He is everywhere, but this is the place where the divine presence of God comes down. You ever been in those moments, those, those places in time where, where God's presence came down in an exacting kind of way and you were touched and changed forever? That's the divine presence of God. Then the word of God tells us that we can come boldly before the throne. And so we're going to take a few moments and look at places in the Old Testament and, and, and it, it plays into where we're at in scripture today. But there are a lot of places that the divine presence of God would come down. It is evident that the divine presence of God would come down into the tabernacle. It is evident that the divine presence of God would come down in the wilderness when the people would see the cloud and they would see hear the trumpets and all of these wonderful things. It, it's evident that when Moses would go up on top of the mountain that that the divine presence of God was there. It's evident that when Abram would go up on top of the mountain that the divine presence was there. And you can kind of see this theme of God as, as the divine presence of God would come down, this place where God would come and meet and talk with his people uh, and with what we would call the, the patriarchs, if you will, uh, of faith as Abraham, as Moses, Jacob, Isaac, all of these people. And what's interesting about them is a lot of places where they get their, their word from God, that word that would set the course of their life, that would change their life. It is usually on a mountaintop. Again, I'll mention it was Abraham that had the knife brought back ready to sacrifice his only son when it was there that God would speak to him. Abraham, Abraham, understand Old Testament tradition. God would, could have spoke to him and said, Abraham, he did not. He said it twice simply because in Old Testament tradition, this is a way of calling you to covenant. And so God is telling him, Abraham, I am calling you into a covenant with me right now. And I'm doing it here on top of this mountain. I'm here to tell you today that it is a place that you can receive a promise from God on top of the mountain. You can get it in other places but it's something special about getting to the place where God has called you to up above the noise and all of the chaos going on in your world. We could go on and I could preach a lot today about Caleb. I could preach about Jonathan who went up on top of the hill and had uh, victory over the Philistines. I, I could spend a lot of time talking about how the divine presence of God would change many people in their life, in their walk with God. He is a God of the mountaintop experience. But let's be honest, we don't always live there. I don't know how it is in Bakersfield, but in JS, Mississippi, every day I don't get up on the mountain. Hallelujah. I felt a witness right then. I, I, I don't know how it is at your house, but in my house, sometimes we fight battles that we don't know how to fix. Sometimes we have to deal with things that we don't have the know-how on how to deal with him. And, and it is in those times that sometimes we would pray and we can't feel God. Anybody ever been there? You've prayed and couldn't feel him. You even tried to go into your prayer closet and it seemed like the door was locked and so you couldn't get into that place in prayer. God would not answer. God would not hear you. And this is what we have called. This is the place we come to in our text today as the Bible tells us that Israel is on one side of a mountain and the Philistines are on 
the other side of a mountain and there is a valley between them. The word of God tells us that Goliath would come into the valley, a place that I can show you in scripture very briefly that Israel has never fought before. When they drove the Canaanites out of the land, they fought them in the mountainsides. When they killed the Amalekites, they killed them in the mountains. The Jebusites were defeated in the mountaintops. Jericho itself was built into the side of a mountain. And so these people of God are a people. And again, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to show you in scripture. They are a people of the mountaintop experience as we are a people of the mountaintop experience. If you will allow me to put it like this, they knew how to have good Sunday night church. They knew how to run the aisles. They knew how to dance. They knew how to give God praise for what he was doing. But now a man is asking them to fight in a location that they have never fought before. And and this is something where we have to turn to history to find. It's very evident, it's very plain that Goliath is not the first giant. I'm going to preach here in a minute. I'm not hollering yet. Y'all just give me a minute. But Goliath's not the first giant they've ever had to face. As a matter of fact, when you go back a couple chapters, you'll find that there's this guy named King Saul and he has disobeyed the voice of God. He's done that by capturing Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And again, you don't have to look very hard into history, into Amalekite history, to find that Agag was a giant. And there are some theologians that would uh, put it out there and say this, that Agag was taller and heavier than Goliath was. And so this is not their first interaction with giants. This is not their first interaction with someone that is bigger than they are. And so my question to Brother Saul is what's the problem? Last time you faced a giant, you didn't kill him, no, but you bound him hand and foot. I'd say that's even more difficult than slinging a stone at him. What's the problem, Saul? How come you can't go out and fight? You weren't afraid to fight Agag. Now what's the issue? I, again, this is just my belief after studying the word of God is that there was an issue here for Saul, not because he was afraid of a giant. There may be some truth to that, but we do know he's faced those fears and he's captured giants before. But I I believe, Pastor Bradford, that there was something uh, that was intimidating to him about the fact that Goliath was standing in a valley because he understands the tactics of the Israelites. They have never, ever fought a battle in a valley. It's always been on the mountaintop, but the Philistines have caught on, and they said, we're not coming up to the mountain to fight against you, but we're going to fight down in the valley, and so Saul backs up, and there is a stalemate, because Saul will not advance, and the Philistines will not advance, and one man is saying, come down into a place that is dark and dreary, and fight us. That is the place where David shows up, and he begins to tell a story, He says, I understand you're not willing to fight Goliath, but let me tell you something. I fought the the bear and the lion, and I've come to tell you this morning that David is a shepherd, and he understands he's telling Saul a story. He's not just bragging about killing a lion and a bear because you can go and look at the history of shepherds in the Old Testament, and you can find that that 
nothing that's really to write home about. There are many shepherds uh, that have killed lions and many shepherds uh, that have killed bear. This is nothing new to the shepherds, but what he is telling Saul uh, is as a shepherd, uh, I never keep my sheep up in the mountaintops, but they're down uh, in the green valleys. And what you can understand about shepherdhood uh, is they make sure that their sheep are not in a place of danger of falling off the clefts. And so what David is telling Saul uh, is not only have I killed the lion and the bear, but I've done it down in the deepest valleys uh, where the grass is lush and green. Uh, And he was looking at Saul and telling him simply, uh, I serve a God uh, that is a God not just of the mountaintop experience, uh, but he is a God uh, that can deliver you in the valley uh, as well. Uh, I've come to tell somebody on a Sunday morning uh, exactly what David said. uh, If I make my bed in hell, uh, God, thou art there. Uh, If I take wings and fly unto the heavens, uh, thou art there also. Uh, You may feel like God's a million miles away. Uh, You may feel like God isn't answering your prayers, uh, but I've come to tell you on a Sunday morning, uh, he's an omnipresent God. Uh, He's a present help uh, in trouble. Uh, And if you're on the mountain, uh, he's there. Uh, But if you're in the deep, dark valley, uh, he's there with you also. I don't care how far from God you feel. I've come to tell you this morning, you've got a reason to rejoice because God is with you in the middle of your valley. This is just my belief. I may be wrong, Brother Frost. Y'all can straighten it all out today. Brother Williams can fix it tonight when I get done. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is why I believe that David would write probably the most quoted Psalms uh, that he would write, the Lord is my shepherd. I I shall not want. Uh, Listen to me. He said, he maketh me uh, to lie down in green pastures. Again, uh, he's paralleling God to himself as the shepherd. uh, And he knows as the shepherd, uh, he's not going to take his flock up into the high mountains uh, where they can fall and break a leg. Uh, And he says, the Lord is my shepherd uh, and the Lord maketh me to lie down uh, in the green pastures. Where do you find the green pastures? Uh, You find them down in the valley. Uh, I've come to tell somebody this morning, you've been mad uh, and you've been frustrated uh, and getting mad at the preacher, mad at God, mad at everybody, uh, and you don't even understand uh, that God puts you in the valley uh, because there's sustenance in the valley. uh, And if all you know how to do is live for God from Sunday night to Sunday night. It's not going to be long till you fail God. And so God will make you to lie down in the green pasture because he understands that there's a relationship you get in the valley that you don't get anywhere else. There's a relationship you get in the valley that you can't find in Sunday night church. I know you don't feel like pressing on, but keep on pressing on because David said, for the Lord Lord is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come. I've come to tell somebody that feels like their world is falling apart. He is with you. You might have just walked through a divorce. He's with you. Your mama and daddy might have just left you. He's with you. Your friends might have turned their back. He's with you. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're going through. The rod and the staff, they comfort me. For yay. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
I don't have time to preach the whole thing, but just let me preach little pieces of it. For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yea, I'm going through this valley. I may face giants. I may face demons. I may have to look at things that are bigger than me and stronger than me, but I'm not dying in the valley. I'm going through the valley. Why, David? Because when when I get out of this valley, thou anointest my head with all. Can I tell you that that's why the devil's trying his best to get you to stop while you're in the valley? Oh, you can't hear from God. It's dark. It's dreary. He wants you to stop while you're where you are. You want to know why? Because he knows that there's an anointing service on the other side of this valley. And that if you make it through this valley, when you come out, there's an anointing that's going to destroy the yoke. If you make it through this valley, you're going to be stronger than you've ever been. If you make it through this valley, you're going to be wiser than you've ever been. Come on, devil, you shouldn't have even messed with me. I'm coming out of this thing stronger than I ever was before. I, I, I know God's with me, so I'm just going to keep on walking. I know God's with me, so I'm just going to keep on shouting. I know God's with me, so I'm going to keep on believing even though I'm in the valley you don't understand preacher how many mistakes I made I don't care how many mistakes you made he walks and he talks and he's there in the middle of the valley season well I, I went to church on Sunday night Here, here's what we this is what we deal with I got a good blessing on Sunday night but by Tuesday I done lost it because I'm in a trial. When, when, when? You know how many times people in the Bible, huh, listen to me, Elijah has one of the greatest victories that he's ever seen. 400 prophets of Baal cut their heads off. I mean, he's a dude, you don't want to mess with Elijah. Don't want to mess with Elijah when he's having a bad day. He just killed 400 prophets of Baal and the next day he's crying. Tell me you don't fit in with those people in the Bible. Well, I, I could live for God, but the next day, listen to me. They didn't even have the Bible to pick up and to read and to tell them the promises of God. But they still made it. Oh, you ain't gonna help me preach on Sunday morning. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm in, some, I'm in somebody's corn patch right now, and I feel like I'm just tearing up Jack. Let me tell you something. Stop crying about what you're going through. Pick up the word of God and realize that God is in the middle of your mess. God is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. You just got to realize it and keep on walking. I could be bitter in the valley, but I'm not going to let the valley make me bitter. I'm going to keep on praising. I'm going to keep on worshiping because he's with me in the valley. Can I get 1 Kings chapter 20? I'll tell you what I need. I need a reader. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 19. Can you get that for me? Somebody, somebody get me 1 Kings chapter 20. Woo, Bishop got it. Woo, hallelujah. First Kings 
chapter 20. Let's first start in verse 19. When I was a kid, you wasn't a real preacher unless you had a reader. Everybody had a reader. You go to camp meeting. Get this man a microphone. Huh? Get somebody a microphone. You ready? 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 19. Start there. Read it loud where they can hear you or we'll get you a mic. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Everyone is man. Yeah. Woo. That sounds like Sunday night church, don't it? I mean, they kicking the devil in the mouth. He ain't got no teeth left. They slew everyone as man. Oh, I could preach right here for a minute. I think I will. Go ahead. Everybody showed up to church. Woo. Everybody was where they were supposed to be. Everybody had a mindset of revival. Everybody was intentional about what they were doing. And when they did that, Israel is, now listen, they're not just fighting them. They're chasing them. This ain't even, this ain't even, well, we got together and we had a battle. No, they beat them up so bad, now they're chasing them out of Bakersfield. Little JWP version there for you. Read. And the king of Israel went out uh-huh. and smote the horses and chariots and slew the Syrians with a great slaughter. Yeah, read. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, The man of God, go strengthen thyself. Strengthen thyself. And mark. Uh-huh. And see what thou doest. Yeah, pay attention to what you're doing. For at the return of the year. At the return of the year. The king of Syria will come up against thee. This devil's coming back. And Uh-oh. The, and the Can I tell you today that there are some demons that you will fight till the day you die? Right. Oh, I know you didn't want to hear that. But there's some things you don't ever get deliverance right, over. Right, right, right. God will deliver you from it, but it'll keep coming back and getting in your face trying to figure out how much Holy Ghost you got. There are some things, and, and I'm, I'm here to tell you this for a reason right now. Don't you let the devil convince you that just because that demon came back to fight against you that you're still bound by that demon. Is there some, you're just going to have to keep on fighting because right. the question is, are you willing to fight? Are you going to throw in the towel just because it came back? I thought I beat this last year, and here it is. It's done showed up again. Hey, you need to realize that sometimes the race is not given to the swift, neither is it given to the strong, but unto him that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. I don't care if I got to fight this demon every day of my life. I don't care how many times it comes back. I'm going to keep on fighting. Read. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him. Now this is the bad guys. Their gods. Their gods. Are gods of the hills. Ooh, they're what? Gods of the hills. Oh my God, help me Jesus. Now, understand now, that they've got a reputation uh-huh. for beating people when they're fighting in the hills. So much that the Syria, y'all thought I was making that up, didn't you? Lo and behold, it's in the Bible. 
The Syrians have thought, they, they, they've heard so much about how, Syria, how Israel's fighting. They said, their gods are gods of the hills. Read. Therefore they are stronger than we. They're stronger than us. But let us fight against them in yeah. the plain. Let, let, let us bring them down here on our level. And we shall be stronger than they. Uh-huh. Read. And do this thing. Do this thing. Take the kings away. Yep. Every man out of his place. Uh-huh. And put captains in their room. Yep. And the number... And number thee an army. Get you an army. Like the army that thou hast lost. Just like the one you lost. Horse for horse. Horse for horse. Chariot for chariot. Chariot for chariot. We will fight against them. We're going to fight again. In the plains. In the plains. And We're surely, not going to do it on their time. We're going to do it on our time. Devil's going to wait till you've, you've had a good Sunday night in church and he's going to slap you right between the eyes with right. a battle just like you fought before. Read. And surely. Surely. We shall be stronger than they. Devil, you so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Read. And he hearkened unto their voice. He listened. And did so. And he did it. And it came to pass. Came to pass. At the return of the year. Return of the year. That Benadad numbered the Syrians. Uh-huh. And went up to Aphek. Yep. To fight against Israel. Yep. And the children of Israel were numbered. Uh -huh. Were all present. All present. Everybody showed up to church. There it is again. And went against them. That's good preaching right there, ain't uh -huh. it? Everybody showed up. Read. And went against them. Went against them. And the children of Israel uh -huh. pitched before them two little flocks yep. of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. They were outnumbered. And there came a man of God. There came a man. My God, this word gets good. There came a preacher uh -huh. all the way from J.S. Mississippi. <laughs> I just got a feeling he had, a, he had an accent like I got. What did he tell them? And spake unto the king of Israel. Yeah. And said, Uh huh. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Because the Syrians have said, Because the devil said, The Lord is God of the hills. He's only a God of Sunday night. But he is not God of the valley. And he's not a God of the valley. Therefore, Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude. I will deliver this. Did you hear what he said? He said, the devil said he had you because you had nowhere to go. You were living in the valley and you were having to fight in the valley. But the man of God said, I will deliver this great into thy hand. Into thine hand. I've come to tell somebody today, you thought the devil had you. You thought it was over. But the devil was where God wanted him all the while. He put you in a valley. He put you in a place and he's been saying, God can't deliver you out of this. But devil, you just watch and see what my God will do. He's not just a God of the mountain. He's a God of the valley. He's a God of my trouble. He's the God of my trial. I will deliver. There's a lot of things that are if and maybes. But when God says I will, there's a lot of things that are contingent on what you do. But when God says, I will. Listen, to, this is contingency stuff here. Well, if you do this, God will do this. But when God says, I will. Do you know who the king of Israel is right now? This point in time in scripture. Ahab. 
the worst king Israel has ever had. I'm helping somebody right now. I can feel it in the Holy Ghost. The worst, I mean, knucklehead personified. This guy can't do anything right. The worst king. And to the worst king, God says, I will deliver. Oh, so you messed up and you think God's not going to help you out anymore. When he calls Israel, now I'm not telling you you don't have to pay for your sin, but I am here to tell you right now that once you repent and you turn away from all that junk and you start living for God and you start walking with God, God says, I will deliver. Don't matter what you've done, don't matter where you come from, don't matter who your mom is, who your daddy is, Ahab, it's just because the devil showed up and said, I couldn't do it, I'm gonna show him how good of a God I am. They said you wouldn't make it. They said you'd go back. They said you'd fail again. They, they, they said you wouldn't, you wouldn't last six months, but look at you. You're still here. You want to know why? Because sometimes it ain't about what you've done right. It's about what the devil done wrong. He showed up and started bragging, said, I'm going to take him out. And God said, oh, no, you ain't. No, you're not taking my child out. That, they, they belong to me. I've got my name on them. You can't have them. In the mountain. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the valley. He's still God. And he's still in control. And he's still sitting on the throne. And he's still, I wish you'd look at somebody and tell them God is still able. God is still able. I'm, I'm sick and I'm in the valley and I'm fighting cancer, but God is still able. Diabetes is trying to kill me, but God is still able. My children are, are out of church and my family's falling apart, but God. Come on, God's still able. It seems like every morning I get up, a spirit of depression, it meets me on the side of my bed. But one thing I know, God is still. I, I don't feel like I can get a breakthrough. And I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. But I just got to step back and stand on what I know, that God is He's able to bring me out. He's able to bring me through. He's able to heal me. He's able to give me peace. God is still able. Musicians, come, I'm closing. It's not hard. Let me just get where we live right now. It's not hard to believe God. Am I telling the truth? It ain't hard to believe a God that's done so many things before. It's not hard to believe a God that God can heal cancer when, when he's raised from the dead. It's not hard to believe that God can open the blinded eyes when he's done it before. Unstop the deaf ears when he's done it before. Have unto every man is given the measure of faith. Faith is something you have. God gave you faith. Faith in God is in you whether you realize it or not. We don't have a faith problem. We have a trust problem. Faith is something you have. But trust, that's something you do. And can I preach to you today and tell somebody that's in the valley that I don't care how many times you get up and say I have faith in God, your faith in God without trust doesn't work.
So how do you know? Because the Bible says it. Don't say it exactly like that, but James teaches us that. He said, as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works. What are works? Works are actions. Actions are what? What you do. Trust is an action. And so, again, if I'm stretching this, you fix it, but faith without action, faith without trust is dead. I don't care how much you shout and believe God on Sunday night that he can do it. Do you trust him on Tuesday morning when the hail hits you between the eyes? I don't care how many times you run the aisles when you hear God can heal from cancer, but when you're sitting in the, in the doctor's room and you get the bad report, do you still trust him? Do you know him that he's not just the God of the Sunday night experience? But he's a God that I can trust. You want to know why God showed up in a fiery furnace? Not because they had faith in God. They had faith in God, and that's what kept them from bowing. But when they showed they had trust in God, is when they said, and if not, we're still not bowing. Even if God doesn't heal, even if God doesn't make a way, I still trust him. How can you trust a God that lets bad things happen to good people? Because God, we understand today, I'm, I'm just trying to help somebody's perspective. God's not fair. God ain't never been fair. God's never tried to be fair. It's nowhere in the Bible that it says, thus saith the Lord, I am fair. It's not there. But he's just. And he says it in other words, thus saith the Lord, I'm just. It might not be fair what you're going through, but the truth of the matter is, is life's not fair. And what blows my mind, I'm trying to quit, I promise. But what blows my mind is the amount of people that when they're living in the world, when life happens, it's just life. But they get in church and life happens and it's God's fault. It's the preacher's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the Sunday school department's fault. They didn't watch my kids. They didn't do this. Maybe it's your trust's fault. And the reason God hadn't brought you out of this fiery furnace yet is because you, you believe him, but you don't trust him. I want to introduce you today to a God. He sits in the heavens, but he walks in the earth. Oh. I want to introduce you to a God. That is, he's God on Sunday night, and if you come back tonight, if you're a visitor here today, and you come back tonight, you're going to see people screaming and hollering and jumping and running and dancing, but we understand that he's not just God on Sunday night, but it's time to run and jump and shout and dance. He's not just God when everything's going good. But my prayer today is, God, would you help me to trust you even when everything's going bad? When I don't hear what I want to hear, help me to know that you're just. I'm still in the story from one of my very good friends, and I, I'll even tell you his name, Pastor Zach Wills, Pastors in Gene in Louisiana. 
the story has probably affected me more than anything else I've ever heard in my life. Went into his dad's, what would become his deathbed. His dad had been a pastor in a little town in Alabama. If you know anything about Pentecost, if you've been around Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship, you've heard the name Zach Wells. He's an incredible preacher. He's an incredible friend. I love him to death. But Bradford, he went into his dad's room where he was dying sick of cancer and he was crying. Again, this ain't my story, so I can't tell it like Brother Wells can, but I tell you, it affects me every time I think about it. And he said, Dad, this ain't fair. And his daddy rebuked him and said, Shut up, boy. There's only a... If you got a southern dad, you know that there's only... God's not running a fair. He's running a kingdom. Let that sink in a second. It ain't fair. But my question is, can you trust God when life's not fair? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, you look around, we got most of these... Today, most of the young people are gone, so this is a good testimony right now. You see all these white-haired saints? I say that respectively. I honor you. You want to know how they got here? You want to know how they, they made it through danger, seen and unseen? They didn't just believe God, but they trusted in God. The Lord giveth. Stand with me. I'm closing. And the Lord take. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, I don't always understand what you're doing. But it ain't up to me to understand. It's up to me to know you're an omnipresent God. Present help in time of trouble. It ain't up to me to have the answers. It's up to me to know who you are because you are the answer. And, and to understand, come on, these altars are open. We're praying altar call right now. And to understand that sometimes you don't do what I want you to do. Sometimes life don't work out the way that I think it should. But God, I know you're with me. And I know that you're working it out. And it might not feel like it's best for me, but you know what's best for me I trust you come on could you pray that prayer today God I trust you I, it's going to be the hardest prayer you've ever prayed but I, I'm challenging you in the Holy Ghost right now to just pray it I trust you come on somebody that feels like their life is falling apart you're down in the deepest darkest valley you've ever lived in you can't even see the light of day could you just pray it I trust you I trust you God I don't know what you're doing but I trust you God, I don't know where you're leading me, but I, I trust you. God, I, I, I don't know what's next. I can't see the next move, but I trust you. Come on. Come on, as they sing, would you lift your voice? Yeah. He goes before me. Come on, that's who he is. That's who he is. Defender, be 